Hello, you guys. This is your host, Kenny Heflin, and I wanted to introduce one of my good friends, my old roommate. This guy's fucking awesome. Uh, Robert, go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh, thanks. That's a great lead-in. Uh, you can <laughs> find me online at uh, robert.cocktail. Generally, when you want to think of who I am, I would say a uh, hospitality professional. I like running bar programs. I've I'm in the goth scene. I like BDSM stuff. I wouldn't say I'm like super active. Don't expect. <laughs> I, I feel like there's people out there that I know that I'm just kind of like much more active in lifestyles. I like to have humility and uh, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely when it comes to the focuses in my life, it's that. And uh, probably like weird stuff like disc golf that I fucking love. You do like that. I, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great way to get outside, especially when you're a fucking vampire that is a as a bartender because we we rarely see the light of day and our work day tends to last until 3 a.m so it's like yo when y'all gonna get out in the sun Mm, very nice yeah so robert has a special expertise and some things of course we're going to cover it but before we get into the topic uh of the show I just want to make sure you guys are doing good, keeping safe, you know, socially distancing as much as possible and not being like super sketchy in sketchy hallways and buildings. But, you know, I mean, I had a little situation this past Saturday, which ended up uh, with me and my car in a ditch. What the fuck? A ditch? Yeah, it was a friend's birthday party and my rental car, which was a Prius hybrid, was parked down the hill and uh the gravity just took it when i tried to put it in reverse and i ended up in a ditch but yeah yeah. that's that's lame that sucks yeah i just wanted to go home and i didn't get home until like six o'clock in the morning and there was like a werewolf attack next to me in the in the fucking neighborhood yeah that's i I don't know man It's, it's strange times it was quite tragic 2020 has not let up on any fucking body but um Anywho, obviously, you know, this is something that I posted on Instagram. It was a poll that I wanted to, you know, see exactly where people fell into. But just to remind you guys, this episode is going to be based off of what is your freak meter? So from a one through a 10, (laughs) of course, one is extremely uh, vanilla. Five, you're safe. You know, it's enough to... Make your mom cry if she found out what you're doing in the backyard. <laughs> and then 10 is something that will make a preacher sweat. Um, yeah, the devil might come and pick you up himself and say, you know what? You are a slut whore. Oh, damn. Hail Satan. Yes. So, <laughs> so we'll start off, obviously, uh, with some story time. And I want Robert to really like get into some of his past and his expertise and we get to rate his freak meter. So, Robert, go into it. Sure. Um, when it comes to a lot of the BDSM stuff, what I want to say is, uh, you know, start off almost anything you do in life with kind of humility and gratitude. So I have a lot of gratitude for the people that have taught me things, uh, whether it be like Cat Decure, which was a host of mine that was on 
the podcast I used to host called Tyrant Thinks all about alternative lifestyles and living. If mm-hmm. it was just simply the guests that we had on, uh, we had Meister Schmerz who does like the hook suspensions for Allison Chains. And I think it's, he's the one that also did like the ones with Dave Navarro as part of uh, Constructs of Ritual Evolution. I think they, they've even uh, graduated from that and they call their group something else now mm-hmm. um, because it's an evolving scene of different people uh, deciding that they want to do kinky stuff with other people and for whatever reason. Um, I think the biggest guy that I I really kind of like look up to in the BDSM scene is, and especially in uh, polyamorous lifestyle scene mm-hmm. would be Orpheus Black. Um, I love that guy. He's fantastic. A lot of people, you know, when you are a younger person... Uh, in their formative years are trying to kind of like figure out who they are. Uh, if you read different books, whether it be people that are kind of off kilter, like Jordan Peterson or people like Neil Strauss, who's just, I think, a, a soul searcher or Tim Ferriss or these other self-help people. Mm-hmm. Um, they they kind of focus in on the idea of what an alpha male is. And, I, and when I see Orpheus conduct himself, I'm like, that's a real alpha. Like he doesn't feel the need to be in control He's just comfortable being himself in his own skin and he's not trying to assert himself. He allows his energy to kind of do that for him. And he's one of these dudes who uh, adopts a very spiritual approach to BDSM and polyamory where he's almost kind of like Bushido in his way that he looks at it. And mm-hmm. he's, he's very uh, kind of ritualizing in the way that he does most things. And I love that about him because he doesn't try to sell the racy aspect of a lot of the things he does. Uh, those things are already racy. Mm-hmm. They're already racy. You don't need to really crank it up to 11. It's like, yo, this is a racy thing. And then what he tries to focus on is kind of like the spirituality, the bonding, the uh, safety, which is what I really, really respect. Um, so I have a lot of gratitude for all those people that were on the show uh we had a lot of folks that influenced my views about how certain things are done and how to approach them and then also uh in both ways i should just say so certain people i did it in a way where i'm like wow that's the way to do it and then certain people did it in a way where i'm like eh, i don't know if i'd, I'd do i'd do it that way maybe that's <laughs> not necessarily the right way mm-hmm. and um so I have gratitude about that. And then also at the same time, knowing all these people, like I have a great degree of humility, just simply saying that like my opinions are purely my own. It's none of theirs. Mm-hmm. And you probably, if you ask them about maybe even just my impression of them, uh, they'd be like, yo, no, that's not how I look at myself. You know, uh, that's mm. that's also not how I view the idea of this particular facet of the BDSM community or poly uh community and um so when it comes to bdsm and poly let's let's tackle one before the other yes um (laughs) bdsm just means like uh bondage dominance sadomasochism you can break down that acronym actually two different ways that are very popular online if you do research on on it Mm -hmm. um what it's kind of pointing to is kind of like just simply power dynamics uh impact play uh restriction um uh, psychological play, uh, needling folks, scat play, even all sorts of things, uh, fall under that like very broad umbrella. Right. 
Um, and there are certain things that I have a taste for. And when I say that, I mean like, you know, special occasion, like, you know, you're celebrating your birthday, you go out to a really nice restaurant. It's not what you eat every day. And I think that that's kind of the weird uh, thing that a lot of folks presume is just because you have a taste for something, you're just like, yo, you want it all the time. Oh. And, I, and I've had people that I've dated before uh, approach me with that kind of idea where it's just like, well, I don't know. Like, what am I doing? I'm just like, yo, literally, just like everybody else, 99% of the time I want comfort food. And and I think that most folks are like that. Um mm-hmm. I have met people in the industry uh, of BDSM that live it every single day. And for me, I'm just kind of like, that seems exhausting to me. I'm glad that it does it for them, but I I don't think I could do that all the time. And uh, so just generally when you're interacting with folks in the BDSM community, mm-hmm. a lot of them operate in like families. So what you'll have is like a primary dominant or two primary dominants with a house full of people that they deem slaves. Oh. And based on the dynamic between each and every one of those individuals, then they are into or are not into different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say into, I mean like literally like, the most common thing is probably impact play and impact play is essentially using some sort of something Mm -hmm. to impact another person. Uh, And that's kind of like the broadest definition. So when I say some sort of something, it could be your hand, Mm -hmm. it could be a cane, it could be a whip. Um, And what you're doing is you're participating in something called pancake theory. And This is kind of like a fundamental thing of like BDSM. If if you're exposed to BDSM, you're going to see this. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it's basically built on the idea of of sensory adaptation. And this was a psychological phenomenon, a study by psychiatrists, or I should say psychologists. Um, And it's basically where it's like, if you hear a repetitive noise long enough, Mm -hmm. your brain tunes it out. Have you ever had that happen where you're like, oh, I didn't even notice that was a, a sound anymore? Uh, I tried to do that with my next door neighbor's dog. I've, you know, I've heard people say that before. <laughs> um, and it, so the weird thing is, is usually it has to be on a beat, like or a cadence for mm-hmm. your mind to adequate, like to do it efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, people who have ADHD and ADD. Mm-hmm. have an inability to do it they have difficulty doing it so it's hard for them to participate in uh the sound one specifically now mm-hmm. the other thing that sensory adapts is pain mm-hmm. uh most people don't realize this but like if i tap you on the shoulder mm-hmm. eventually your body will produce chemicals that are numbing like norepinephrine and cortisol and adrenaline mm-hmm. and then eventually you won't really feel the pain associated with me tapping you on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. So if I did that, and then what I did was I tapped you a little harder, your body would scale in kind eventually to the degree to which I'm impacting you. And that's how Mm -hmm. impact play works. Now, they don't start off with a tap. Usually it's like spanking or light flogging on a 
area that they know that can endure it mm-hmm. and they'll do it for a duration that kind of like makes sense for your body to adapt to it then up the stimulus mm-hmm. and it slowly ramps up in kind with your ability to adapt to it and what they do at the end is they'll take away the stimulus and once you take away the pain of the impact, you're essentially high. You're just lit out of your mind because you have all the chemicals still in your system, all the norepinephrine and adrenaline and all of these chemicals that are your body naturally produces and kind of can make you high, mm-hmm. but they're not doing anything anymore except for flooding your system with all of the feelings. How long that, does it take for that to like kick in? I would say it depends person to person, uh, like, you know, any great answer to any great question. The answer is always it, it depends, True. but, but you can take your time and scale it. And also you can take your time with the process. You know, I can, if I was having a session with somebody and I started off with some spanking and then ramped it up and did some more spanking and then it seemed a bit too intense for them and they said, uh, their safe word or something what I can do is I'll go after the same space I was impacting and then like run my fingers over their skin lightly mm. sensitizing it again so that I could start from the beginning oh. and you can go kind of like two steps forward one step back like mm-hmm. that uh, and that's part of the process right just like you want to have extended foreplay sessions sometimes because it elevates the entire experience Mm-hmm. That's the same thing. Um, now, that's that's just kind of like one fundamental thing, and that's impact play. And when I say impact, like literally, people do this with single tails. Sometimes they'll do it with wiffle ball bats. I've seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and you can literally use anything to hit somebody with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are other types of play out there too, where it's like some people do knife play, which is like mild cutting, and mm-hmm. the anticipation of the blade cutting their skin is what really gets them excited Mm. um certain people do breath play i Mm. went i went to a breath play workshop with orpheus and that is a different idea altogether you're not you're not playing with the idea of a thing to kind of like cause a stimulus what you're doing is you're literally kind of choking somebody out Mm. because when they come back Mm-hmm. Two, your body gets flooded with all of these really intense hormones. Um, and when you hear the phrase breath play, it's kind of a misnomer because most folks hear breath and they're like, oh, yeah, you're choking their air. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's actually not the case at all. You're never choking somebody there. What you're doing is you're going uh, across their carotid artery. So you're restricting blood flow to the brain. And mm. once you're blood flow to your brain is restricted for five seconds, then you're essentially out. Mm -hmm. And that sounds dangerous. We've all seen movies where like people get choked and it's like, Oh, they're dead now. They're not dead. Um, (laughs) I have a background in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and it's super, super common for people to actually go out in tournaments uh, just out of pride. They refuse to tap. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is, They'll lay there on the mat, and the referee that's overseeing the match will Mm -hmm. go over, pick the person's legs up while they're on their back, Mm. and all the blood that's in their legs will rush to their head and then reestablish consciousness. Mm. And it's so common 
that I've never seen anybody die from it at a tournament. <laughs> and I don't think that the risk is really that great. Mm-hmm. I don't know the stats behind it. Somebody, You can angrily yell at me in the comments when this gets posted and be like, well, the stats are this and this many people die a year from it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all the WebMD physicians yeah. go ahead and, and, and drag us. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's so dangerous. Um, yeah, don't... Also, don't get this mixed up with autoerotic asphyxiation. That's something completely different. What I'm talking about is when you're with your partner and your partner is doing this to you mm-hmm. and the right way to typically do it would be for your partner to be choking you from behind with their hand around your carotid artery and then your hands are clenched around your partner's forearm mm-hmm. and that is because a if your partner is on top of you that's dangerous because it's their weight Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for their weight to cut off your air pe- airway, mm-hmm. um, and you don't want to do that. So if they're behind, you can also use your other hand across their kind of like sternum area to hold them up if when they do go out, so mm-hmm. they don't hurt themselves. And then in addition to that, you want them grabbing you so that you can feel when they go limp, mm-hmm. because if they're not grabbing you or if they're restrained or if their hand is anywhere but not grabbing you you won't really be as cognizant of when they go limp and 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 that's all you're really doing is kind of like getting them to kind of dance on that line of Mm -hmm. consciousness because that's where most people that i've interacted with Mm -hmm. uh enjoy the experience yeah that sounds kind of hot like um i remember the one time when i got choked for the first time during sex um yeah, that was crazy. The dude had like his finger in my ass and he choked me uh, and had my head over the bed and I smiled at him. Yeah, and that's when he was like, oh shit. And I was like, oh shit. And then we had an orgasm. Dope. Did you, do you feel like you <laughs> enjoyed it more because he was choking you in a way that restricted your blood flow or because he, it was a very kind of like aggressive thing he did? It was literally all the above. Okay, so all of the, he, both of those things put together, it was like very aggressive, very assertive mm-hmm. in a way where you felt like something was being done to you instead of with you, and you're like, that's a total turn. Yeah, like he was taking dominance over me, and uh, it was it was hot. Like that's that was a situation which I call lesbian sex, and in the gay community. Uh, this is a term that I've coined, obviously, but in the gay community, when like two tops fucky or fuck with each other, at least, uh, it's lesbian sex, you know. Where, oh, interesting. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of times like it won't be and this wine is starting to kick in, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's like a 14.5 situation. Anywho, um, a lot of times what happens is there's no penetration Oh, okay. Because, you know, essentially we're both tops. So yeah. nobody's fucking each other. And we do every fucking thing but the actual penetration of a dick inside a booty hole. So we were doing that and he choked the fuck out of me. And I just remember I smiled and I said, this is fucking great. This was, that was nice. And I felt like the lightheadedness was amazing. 
uh, it was a nice little combination of sensations, I must say. It's funny you say that because I've actually had partners where um, they enjoyed being choked so much mm-hmm. that it didn't require any penetration for them to actually orgasm. Mm-hmm. So that I think that that's a common occurrence among people who enjoy it. And that's mm-hmm. probably a big factor of why like, they're like, hey, sign me up. This is for me, right? Yeah, most of my female friends, they love to get choked until they... A few of my friends like to get choked till they black out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been <laughs> with some folks where it's like they want to be out mm-hmm. completely. And uh, some people don't want that. They don't like to get to that point. And I understand that. That's a lot of trust to give somebody. True. Um, but yeah, the, among the folks that really, really enjoy it, there's just like, let's full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, you have that, uh, which is its own flavor of ice cream. You have, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Fire play, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I've gone to workshops for. I've actually never done. So disclaimer, I can talk about it in a way where it, as an observer, these are the things that I've seen, mm-hmm. uh, but don't take my word for it, folks, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, Orpheus is a total expert in this. He's really good at it. And uh, about all of the things that he kind of uh, over went over during the workshops, um, it's always safety first. Mm-hmm. If you're with a partner who you're going to do some serious play sessions with. I would say like safety is always first. Always have scene negotiation. Always go over what you like, what they like, what are your safety words. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're not having that, then I would say like if somebody's purporting to be an expert, mm-hmm. they're probably not that big of an expert because I feel like most of the experts I've ever interacted with I think all of them. Mm-hmm. It's always an, a fundamental part of like, cool, hey, let's go do this. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. What are your limits? Okay, gotcha. And how do I know when your limits are? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do I know when you're getting to your limits? And they're like, I'll say this. And, okay. and, and it's very casual. It's not like so explicit, like, what's your safe word? And like, <laughs> here's, a, here's a list check all the boxes that you uh-huh. like. Um, which is funny because when you go on FetLife, you see things like that. And uh, for those folks out there that don't know what FetLife is, it's essentially a social uh, media network for people that participate in kink. Uh, it's like Facebook for kinky people. And Interesting. you can have a profile on there where it's like, here's all my friends, here's all my associates, here's some groups that I'm into, and then here's my likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. And you can literally just have a list of different sexual things that you are into. And uh, I don't know if there's actually a section for things where it's like, I'm not into. I think it's it's very positive when it's like, I'm I'm into these things, Mm -hmm. and if it's not there, probably not. You know what I mean? Um. But I digress. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to fire play, fire play is one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. It's so just beautiful. It sounds beautiful. Um, got to do it right. Uh, mm-hmm. And you got to start from the, the setting for sure, where 
you never want to do something with fire in a setting where if the the accelerant spills on the floor, oh. it's going to catch on fire. So yeah, uh, the place in Salem. Yeah, it, it's a. Uh, the the setting we were in was uh, L.A. Sanctuary LAX, and uh, they have polished concrete floors. Mm-hmm. So if there was anything that fell on the floor, it'd be like, okay, no big deal. Um, it was also on a cross, and most crosses that you're going to see in the BDS community, I think they're at like a 15 degree uh, a decline. Mm-hmm. And this is very, very important when you're doing things like fire play, because when you are dealing with flames obviously the heat is traveling upward Mm -hmm. so the subject is they have to be on a decline so that the flames don't get caught in any pockets Mm -hmm. on the person's uh person yeah and uh obviously different people have different anatomy and the really cool sexy thing about the workshop too was that when we went um it's very important for the subject being played with to be fully nude. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like, oh, what a convenient excuse, right? Hmm. Uh, It actually has a lot of really good reasons associated with it. So obviously if you're a woman or a man with long hair, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, you want your hair tied back because it can catch on fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any jewelry that can possibly retain heat, Mm -hmm. you want off of your person. Uh, and that's the same reason you want all your clothes off because they can catch fire. Um, and then once the subject is fully nude and like ready for the flame, then you just have to be cognizant of anywhere a pocket of heat can occur as it travels up their body. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they always want to have their chin up so that it doesn't create a crevice where in a double chin. Uh, yeah so and and also you have to be wary of all of their body hair Mm -hmm. so if it's an exceptionally hairy person sorry folks out there that are exceptionally hairy but then i can't do it not gonna work out for you for the most part unless you want to (laughs) shave um and when it comes to different people who have uh different body mass index i'll just say you have to be more aware of where pockets of heat are going to occur on those people than somebody who's necess- not necessarily that way or more slender because the heat will more easily travel up. And you're using accelerants uh, that have very low uh, burning point. And, and the more common one that's out there is literally just 70% isopropyl alcohol mm-hmm. that you can buy in any drugstore. And you got to be wary because sometimes it's 90%. But you want to get the 70% one. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about that alcohol is that it's brought down to 70% with water. Mm-hmm. So it's diluted. And you use, a well, I shouldn't say you use, but Orpheus used mm-hmm. uh, these sticks that he sells. And what they're made out of is a flame retardant material. So he can soak them in the flame retardant material. And then he has a rag that is just damp. Mm-hmm. And... What he'll do is he'll light that and then brush it over the person's skin. Mm-hmm. And as he brushes it over their skin, then it leaves a trail of fire. And then he'll wipe it off with the damp towel. And mm-hmm. that was so incredibly sexy. And also you could tell that the person that it was being done to really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. 
Um, but it was also safe. And that was, mm. that was really great too, because after the stick that's soaked in alcohol just burns out, the only thing that's left in it is water. Mm-hmm. So then you just kind of like refill it with a little more alcohol. The alcohol is all on the top in the form of vapor. Mm-hmm. And then you can run it over their skin again. And it's safe so long as you brush it off quickly enough. And uh, obviously you just kind of like have a really good communication with your partner when you're doing this and talk to them about how uh, much it's burning on their skin. Because mm-hmm. he even pointed it out. He's like, I'm doing this so quickly, like she won't even feel this. Mm-hmm. And that's because he was brushing it over and then wiping it off almost immediately. And he's like, I can leave it there a little bit longer so you feel it more, right? And she's like, yeah, totally. And then that's when the scene really got kicked off because it allowed her to feel a little bit of the burning Mm. while also not burning her. Obviously, you're dealing with fire here, which is very dangerous, but you can do it in a way that's safe. Mm -hmm. And I would say always err, obviously, on the side of wiping it away before it burns at all and then using that as a starting point. And then having your safe words established, knowing someone's hard limits and making sure that your partner is always comfortable communicating with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, I like that because one thing it's it's funny that you mentioned that the fireplace is one of your favorites and most beautiful. I mean, because obviously fire is beautiful, it's destructive, but also it can, you know, bring life to certain things. And it's funny because like it's like a little coincidence, but. Uh, Robert and I are both fire signs on the Zodiac. Robert is an Aries. I'm a Sagittarius. So I fucking love fire. So I'm not surprised to see that you love fire just as much. Somebody did my chart recently, and I'm not a super person to ascribe to signs and whatnot, but I was just like, (laughs) mind fucking blown. I'm like, that is oddly accurate. And and don't get me wrong. I met people who have a PhD in being artfully vague. I'm like, that was not artfully vague. There's certain things there where I'm like, that's not artfully vague. That's just accurate. Like, <laughs> Interesting. Know. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But I, I remember one time when this was back in 2015 and I was at a party. It was like a little house party situation going on. And I'll never forget it. Uh, these people invited me. It was super exclusive. It's in the hills, right? The Hollywood Hills, of course. Overlooking downtown LA on a summer night. Just to set the tone for you guys. But I'll never forget. It was like a regular mixer during the regular hours. And then once the clock strike 12, it turned to something totally different. And it reminded me of something like out of a ancient Venetian sex party orgy situation where the men are having sex with each other in front of their wives it was different yo straight up roman it was fucking crazy and i'll never forget it because i just was watching everybody mix and mingle and everything like that and then once 12 o'clock came it was just like the music changed the whole setting like the energy and tension just like changed within the party and I was talking to somebody and like, it's kind of like their voice kind of like got deeper. And I was like, okay, some shit's popping off. And I just remember like people started making out, you know, I went into the house. They had like this 
ambient music, which I'm a fan of ambient music. Me too. Uh, I love it. And they had that plan. And in certain rooms, it's funny like that you mentioned about like fire playing and stuff like that. But I remember one of the rooms they did have what I saw at the time. Obviously, I didn't have the the language to really enunciate what it was I was seeing. But from what you've explained, it was fire play. Um, you oh. know where they were rubbing whatever towel situation over the person's body three to five seconds whatever and i watched it for a little bit and yeah i'm like what the fuck and they end up you know closing the door on on me and stuff but man i would have been like tag me in coach yeah i was just like (laughs) i was just like what the fuck like they're cutting this person like this poor girl like but she's no she's into it she liked it yeah you know but uh, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life, but people are literally having sex just all around the pool, inside the house. It was very interesting. I just remember walking down the, the hill and calling the Uber like, get me out of here. Um, <laughs> it was it was weird because I thought that I was in like that scene from uh, that movie Eyes uh, Wide Shut. Yeah, they're going to kill you. Yeah, I thought I was like an Illuminati party or something. Uh, maybe I was, but... We'll see what happens once this podcast airs, uh, if I go missing. Anywho, um, so with that, like... You realize there's, like, alt-right people listening to this right now, and they'll be like, he was, it was in the Epstein party. Maybe Them Hollywood was. people, that's where he was. I knew it, you know? Maybe it was. With it all their confirmation bias. Right. It could have <laughs> fucking been a, a fucking Jeffrey Epstein. Like, it could have been that. Um, who knows? But... I just ran for my life down the hill at like in midnight. It was crazy. But uh, going back into the uh, varieties of plays, when you have been in situations like that, have you ever had the stimulus uh, that you talked about, like with the, you know, pressure play and anything like that? Like uh, how long did it take for you to get like this elated state of, you know, consciousness? Hmm. Good question. Um, I would say maybe about fifteen to twenty minutes. Not that long. Mm. Um, when I had a scene with somebody where I was being submissive to them, and they tied me up and whipped me, uh, it. I want to say it took about. Because it was a, it was at a club in front of people, but it, I I want to say it was probably about four to five songs. Mm, okay, you know, and it was I would really suggest music when you're doing a lot of this stuff because the rhythm matching the beat also kind of like helps or it helped me anyways mm-hmm. and build a psychological expectation for the impact. And when you start anticipating, that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. So when you anticipate but then there's nothing then you're like what's going on and then you can anticipate again it's a whole nother game you can play with Mm -hmm. with somebody that's having this been done to them Mm. yeah i think it's really interesting just like i've had a couple of people have conversations with me recently about like their sexual proclivities and Mm. one thing when it comes to dominance especially i i've had the insight of was that people with an extremely conservative upbringing for some reason in certain circumstance not every circumstance 
mm-hmm. uh, will experience great shame when they participate in sexual acts. So they actually enjoy rough sex because they feel like if they're being dominated by their partner, then it's being done to them, but they're not an active participant and they can avoid the shame part. Mm. I can, I can, yeah. It was just a piece of insight that I was just like, ah, this makes sense. This makes a whole lot of sense. I see. Have you, so like when you're in that situation, so you're in front of a crowd, right? And did you feel like, you know, like what you speak of, like the surge of neuroepinephrine, you know, the endorphins are kicking in. How long did that high last for you? Oof. Man, uh, it was incredibly intense for, Mm. I want to say, at least 30 minutes. And then it probably trailed off after that. Um, And then uh, after that, I don't know, I I went home to somebody. (laughs) So it it kind of didn't get to trail off all the way. It kept going, so to speak. Or there was a new chemical rush that I participated in. So did you, like, with the crowd and everything, like, were you naked? Were you, like, half-dressed? Like, what was the... Uh, shirtless only. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you get hard? I don't think I did. Hmm. Uh, it wasn't that kind of turn-on. Uh, it was more just, like... It's a, it's a very different way to explain a, a situation that's kind of, like exhilarating but not necessarily sexual all the time mm-hmm. um for instance like i would do impact play with uh with you mm-hmm. now i wouldn't sleep with you because that's not my sexual preference mm-hmm. but i feel like there's comfort there and it doesn't it's not overtly sexual in a way where i feel like it's necessitates uh a romantic circumstance if that makes sense uh where whereas like in me, in the moment, it um, was more about, like, I'm a very busy-brained person. My mm-hmm. mind is reeling all the time. Uh, just a little background. <laughs> they wanted to put me on Ritalin. They wanted to put me on Adderall. Uh, didn't do any of that. So I just eventually just learned to shut the fuck up. And not allow every thought that popped into my head to come out of my mouth. Um, it doesn't keep my mind from running that quickly. Mm-hmm. So when I seek out experiences, the ones that I really, really enjoy tend to be the more intense ones. And this was incredibly intense. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, it's probably the same reason I love jujitsu. And I, I love bartending on a night that is three deep. Or I love being slammed at work where it's like you have a running list in your brain of 10 things to do. And the reason that I love all those situations is it's because it's so immersive that it demands presentedness. Mm -hmm. I don't get a chance to be in my head anymore because I'm not allowed to be, if that makes sense. I like that. So it was immersive and it forced me to be in that moment and only in that moment. Oh, it's also why I love tattoos. The pain just forces you to be there. But you have two new hand tattoos. Yeah. This one's swollen. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
but it's it's great because it allows me to be in the moment and it's very difficult to me for me to participate in moments sometimes and that was just so much more intense mm-hmm. for me because of that because it forced me to be there and it was also voyeuristic because people were watching me mm-hmm. um uh, and it was also uh, sexy because it was one of my sexual partners at the time that I got to do it with, and nice. and that was that was fun too because it was implicative of the amount of trust that I had with her, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I I would say for all of those reasons it was sexy and a turn on and I was really into it. Um, ten ten would recommend. <laughs> Very nice. So, like you said before, you know, this is something that you don't do all the time, but uh, obviously for any listeners that might tune in later in a conversation or something like that, do you have regular sex? Oh, and yeah. what what exactly is your definition of regular sex? Um, I mean, I... I had a partner of mine describe the type of sex that I have as uh, rigorous, um, <laughs> what? which was great. I lo- that's a that's a not necessarily sexy word. Uh, I would say I have normal sex. I don't know how you define normal sex. I know I am aware of Kenzie statistics too, though. So I think that those statistics do such an injustice to using the word normal for sex because I apparently the vast majority of men finish within like three minutes. Yes. Unfortunately. It's not me. Uh, if anything, I would say I have the inverse problem. Um, (laughs) and, uh, that's, I love that though. I love, I love being with my partners and, um, you know, having that momentedness also where like it demands you to be present with them and only them. Mm hmm. And as far as positioning, like we're not hanging from the chandelier, you know what I mean? Like it's it's vanilla in the sense that it's kind of like watch a rom con or not a rom con. I watch a uh, I love a rom con. Me too. I like watch rom cons. Just don't use them as this example. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, oh, like like uh, just. What what do you call it? Skinamax, like softcore porn sex. Oh yeah. I would say that that's kind of like for me that's vanilla sex. Like it never really gets racy. Like they pretend it is, but you're like this is just normal things everybody does. Um, whereas I would say there are much more intense versions of sex out there in the porno sphere, where if you you go on, uh, you can see like anal and double anal and double penetration which i love to watch airtight and uh gang bangs and bukake and uh fisting fisting and and uh now I'm, I'm, I'm literally just going through things that that i've fucking seen and i'm just like wow that's a thing you know i literally um, watch it all you watch it all i love watching uh two dudes dicks and like one girl's pussy or ass and i love watching a fisting session which i watched that earlier today um i love like watching shit like that like that. i've seen it it doesn't turn me on though i'm just it's one of the more of those things where you're like if you saw a link on your on your social media and you're like watch man get hit by car you're like oh shit yeah let's watch that (laughs) 
Like, I don't want to see it, but, like, I want to see it. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and it definitely, it's not, like, turning me on or anything. But um, the thing that I really hate about porno recently, for some reason, uh, is, like, this weird incest thing that's out there. Yeah. What the fuck, man? I don't like that. What is this? Sh- I, don't I don't like the brother on brother or brother sister thing. I don't like it, or the, even like the Marsha Brady. Like it's like the stepsister brother and the dad. Mom's not home. And- it's so horrible. It's like, the, can you guys find a new trope in the fucking porno world? Like I get it. Like it's irresponsible to be like boss fuck secretary, which apparently went away. Like the all of the things that have to do with men abusing their positions of power to get laid went away in the porno because they're like, yo, this isn't responsible anymore. But then they're like, oh, yeah, brothers can fuck sisters. What the fuck, guys? (laughs) Get your shit together. People really like that shit. Like I do love I still obviously I love a good, you know, gay ass uh, fucking stereotypical trope of like the, you know, the locker room situation. I feel like that's okay. That can be racy in that way. Like nobody's taking racy. advantage of anybody else. Nah. Um, but you know what I mean? Like just what happened to fucking like delivery guy with the pizza and, and the fucking plumber or whatever the fuck. Like, yeah, that, let's be honest. I'm, I'm fast forwarding through all that shit anyways. For the most part. <laughs> but, but it's just like the brother sister thing is just like, what the fuck guys? How do you feel about hentai? Uh, you know, I remember as a kid, I, I'm i a fan of Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon. Oh, I know. And... Yeah, you love Dragon Ball. You're oh, wearing well, a Dragon Ball shirt a, right now. That's yeah, tr- yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's that's funny. I actually just bought this Dragon Ball shirt from Target, but I also bought like a ramen noodle shirt too. Um, it looks like the ramen noodle, uh, you know, like the instant The cup. character. No, like the oh, instant no. cup of ramen noodles. Oh, got it. Got yes. It. Um, it was funny. It was like $12. Anywho, I love Dragon Ball Z. I'm wearing a Dragon Ball Z shirt as we speak. And I remember as a kid growing up in the 90s and, you know, early 2000s and stuff where it was a website called Dragon Moon X. And on that website, uh, you had the characters from Dragon Ball Z, the characters from Sailor Moon. All having sex. Fucking each other. Whoa, I didn't know that was a thing. Yes. You know what fucking blew my mind? What? I was talking to a guy, and I think it's been long enough now. I'll just, I won't say his name, but I'll talk about what he did. <laughs> uh, he worked for the company that has the rights to do all of the animation for comic books for Transformers. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he does this anymore. Probably not. <laughs> And uh, he was on a show that I used to produce called Girl on Geek. And he was like, yeah, did you know about the fan fiction Transformers porn? Interesting. And I was like, what the fuck, really? And he's like, yeah, check it out. Look it up. And I look it up and I fucking just lose it. I bust up laughing and they're looking at it and they're like, what the fuck? Like, why is it so funny? Mm -hmm. And if you look this up. It's not Transformers with robot dicks. It's literally Transformers, but they have human dicks. And I'm like, how does that make any sense? Like, shouldn't a robot have a robot dick? Like, they literally just drew a robot with a human dick. Well, I mean... (laughs) I'm sorry, it still makes me laugh. 
I mean, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It sounds fucking stupid, but I can get it. I can understand because people are attracted to human anatomy. Some people. But you don't think like a robot should have a robot penis? Ideally, yes. Optimus Prime should have a screwdriver for a dick. Or something. A big screwdriver. Like with some circuitry instead of venery or something. Yeah, it should be like sparking and it should like leak uh, oil. Um, Sounds pretty hot, but... (laughs) I can get how people could fantasize about the actual body of the Transformer with a piece of genitalia that they're familiar with that they might be attracted to. It looks silly, of course, yes. Have you ever had sex with somebody where they wanted you to dress up like a, a, a costume? No, I am into the idea of, you know, role-playing. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest fantasies since I was very early in age was that I would love to have sex in a boiler room. A boiler room? Why a boiler room? I don't know. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street too much. And okay. I didn't want to fuck Freddy Krueger, but I wanted to fuck in a boiler room for some reason. I don't know. Like up against like a hot furnace. Ooh, that like on a, That sounds like it would burn. Like hot with the fucking furnaces and shit and fucking fire and like we're like we probably put like a little towel or something or put our took our shirts off and like, you know, put it on the fucking hot concrete floor and we have sex. I feel like the imagery here is fire and brimstone. I feel like you're, you just want to fuck somebody in hell. Well, you know, I joke with my best friend that, you know, we have a vacation home there already. Um, so it's just a matter of time depending on how 2020 ends. Um, you never know, but fire season is is up and running here in California. Ooh. Yeah, so that's been one of my favorite fantasies. I would love to do it. I would also love to reenact uh, a scene from my uh, and pay homage to my gay ancestors that came before me. And because okay. I, historical, yeah, we're getting historical, nostalgic. I love the eighties and nineties. So I love the idea of, you know, the primal hunting of cruising as a gay man. Okay. You know, these guys before Grindr, before all this technology, these guys were so low key because it wasn't acceptable. You know, mind you, it's the 80s and 90s. These guys, they don't really know exactly who's gay or not. Oh, go to Elysian. You know, an old friend of ours um, introduced me to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They call them Ridge Rangers. Interesting. I'm not kidding. Because oh. their hill is across the hill from where I play disc golf in Elysian Hills, in Elysian Park. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just wanted to reenact the, the hunting phase of what that must have felt like with my gay ancestors, like, you know in a grocery store or like at a bar or something like that and you make eye contact and then you do like that little nod you know then like you know you kind of like signal the guy to like some other side of wherever you are i'm like you know kind of like give him a, a friendly nod which i guess is is also very uncommon in la um and he he makes eye contact he sees me smiling and before i can nod he averts his eyes and I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh. You, 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 don't, 
you think I'm I'm trying to come on to you and you don't like what I'm selling. Oh. I was I was like, you should be so lucky. You didn't sell it right. Probably not. But I was just like explaining this, and I'm like, I felt I felt uh like like invalidated a little, you know? Even though that's that's not my flavor of ice cream, I'm just kinda like, well, I mean, what's why shouldn't you be into this? No, you're a good looking guy, and for anybody who needs to see Robert uh <laughs> <laughs> which you guys should he's a good looking guy check out his instagram i i did this and then i i explained this entire story to my brother and my brother's a model uh um, that's right he's my brother is a very good looking uh man and i i was like hey this happened and this happened and i'm like you know what i mean and 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 he goes no <laughs> no <Damn>. i don't <laughs> He's never been rejected or something, I guess. He's like, I don't know what that feels like. Interesting. It must be nice. <laughs> no, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I mean, sometimes I like to, I get like a rush from, you know, uh, going to straight bars. And I say that with air quotes, of course. But a bar or club that's predominantly straight people. And I like going with like my guy friends who are usually straight. And... I just like going out and having a good time first off, but you know, I just, I'm not really looking to pick up on anybody, which I don't want to do that at gay clubs. Yeah. But because I am gay, I really am not checking for any fucking body, especially a fucking girl in that aspect of what, you know, in life and stuff. So, but I do get a certain rush from flirting with a girl and like dancing with a girl and like, you know, sometimes it can get a little bit extra towards the end of the night. Um, I once had a girl like we were, you know, dancing to some reggae and, and dance hall and she was like grinding on my my fucking leg and she left a wet stain. Literally left a wet stain on my fucking thigh. And I said, fuck. That was interesting. You know, got that whap, bro. She had yeah, the, the whap, the wet ass pussy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had that, and she let me know like at that point, this is this is me wanting to fuck you, and I had to tell her at the end of the night like, oh girl, you know, I had such a good time, mm, but, but I was just playing. Yeah, I was just playing. I'm, Not, I'm wrong, wrong toolbox. I'm gay, like you know, but I'm gay, but I'm I'm down to play if that makes sense. It has to be the right circumstance because. I've had sex with girls. Yeah, you told me. After I was 26, you know, out of curiosity. And that was a threesome. Very nasty. Yeah, I mean, sounds like fun. No, it was great. Like, Group I sex said, is fantastic. Yeah, like, well, you know, I don't like the group sex. I like a nice threesome. That's about it. Okay. I don't like, I feel like four people in total is just too much. It's, it's choreography. I tend to be the director. and See, I'm I like, like that. Yeah, but it gets annoying because you want to, like, I want to get people positioned in the right place, and then they're, like, discombobulated and shit, and I'm like, y'all are fucking up. <laughs> I need I need this to run smoothly. I need, like, POV, <laughs> and I need, you know, like, fluids dripping and dropping everywhere. It needs to, it needs to look good. You know, I actually um, tried to plan an orgy once, oh. and uh, I had... 
We oh, talked about that before. Yeah, I had a lot of female participants that were interested. And the people who didn't want to, who I thought would, mm -hmm. uh, were all men. It was literally like I had five tentative yeses from women. And then all the guys that I was like, oh, yeah, they'll, they're totally comfortable with themselves. were like, nah. And I'm like, what? 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 You just... Men have a problem with other penises being in a room. I remember... The straight men, I should say. Obviously, gay men are like, dope, more the merrier. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember we talked about this a long time ago when we were roommates, that we would have uh, a freak Olympics, remember? Whoa, remind me. Well, the, the whole idea was that we would have a weekend and we would compare and contrast... How many people we can have sex with in that weekend? Oh, I mean, I don't know if that necessarily puts me in a good light. <laughs> no, but you and I, when I speak of you with any of my other friends, if we ever get on like the topic and stuff like that, like you are one of the straight men that I know that could probably run neck and neck with me when it comes to if we wanted to of course you know fuck whoever we wanted and like how many people Ooh, we I, that's that's a grandiose you did good i appreciate your impression of me um man right now it's actually hard times have, have fallen on on the the house of robert really oh yeah i i would say uh covid makes it very difficult to to talk to people Mm. Um, Understandable. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, folks are just kind of like wrapped up in themselves and, and definitely uh, having to manage their anxiety whenever they're within 10 feet of each other a lot of mm -hmm. times. So I feel like that's a hard barrier to ba break through. And then also, I'm not a dating app guy ever. Mm -hmm. I've literally never gone on a date because of a dating app. That is crazy. Yeah. So all of the ways that I connect with people have to do with being out in bars and actually like meeting them face to face and then having to, to start those organic conversations, mm. um, but never like messaging. I, I don't even think that I could probably message with any sort of proficiency where a girl would be like, oh, he's cute via messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think that would happen. I mean, but even like pre-COVID and stuff, like even just like going back, you know, I just, it was so many times where I was like, damn, Rob, you know, and the funny thing was like our room, how it was set up, it like you built it. Yeah, yeah. But the wall was essentially very thin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, to start off, like it was one room at some point. Totally, yeah. Like, literally, like, one, you had one big-ass room at the end of the fucking loft. And it was like we were in the same room. It was plenty of times where I just was in awe because I was like, damn, whoever these girls are, they're, it's one thing that's consistent is that they are enjoying themselves. I like, mean, toot, toot. Uh, yeah. I, I definitely am a, a people pleaser. Uh, so as you should be, I am too. There's a lot of things about, especially being in hospitality, where it's like having somebody enjoy themselves and elevating their evening is something that I take pride in. 
And, and that's the very like toned down version of saying exactly what you're getting at, which is that I like leaving people satisfied. No, I love it. Like I'm definitely a pleaser too and stuff. And you know, women, I have so many female friends and stuff, and I know that women are famous for faking it, but if it's a consistent thing, obviously you know what the fuck you're doing. Like, and I just, I wonder like, you know, to be a fly on the wall, like what exactly do you do with these? Like when you're, what's your sex groove? Man, what do you do? You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a odd question because it's one of those things where like, I'd have to compare and contrast what I do with what somebody else does that is ineffective Mm-hmm. For me to be like, well, this is where I'm doing things a little differently. Because um, I only know how to do them my way. You know, I, I was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about a, let's just say a certain subject. And I was like, yeah, well, you had that impression because that was your only ever impression. It, mm-hmm. it took uh, more experience added to that Im- first experience for you to realize that that first experience sucked (laughs) you know like do you like if you have like a a script for example like your things to do when you're having quote-unquote normal sex i don't have a script it's it's uh improvisational and like are you a kisser are you like big on foreplay do you like tits like do you like ass Yes. There's a lot of women that actually listen to the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, I, I they will be hitting you up. I don't. Well, I mean, uh, that's flattering, but I would say everybody's different, right? It just like when I was talking about BDSM, it's one of those things where it's like every single person you're going to interact with is going to have different tastes when it comes to their extreme taste. Why would it be any different when it comes to their more toned down taste? Uh, Mm -hmm. You approach every circumstance like it's different. Every single person, like they're different. And uh, ideally, you're varied enough where the circumstance beckons different behavior when you do it, even with the same person. Mm. And, you know, keeping people off balance allows you to be unpredictable in a way where it allows your partner to anticipate, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is a big mental component when uh, you're, you're hooking up with somebody. You know, if, it, if it's the same thing and it feels like it's routine, then, I mean, why are you going to do that again? You're, you're, at a certain point, you're going to lose interest because you're going to be bored. But Very true. But just like, you know, you meet a lot of people that are in their mid-30s in long-lasting relationships in the BDSM world who are trying to kind of spice in things up, mm-hmm. um, you can probably prevent that in a lot of big ways just by simply having enough trust and communication in your relationship and just going out and exploring with your partner because you have that in the first place. You don't have to wait until your sex life dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a weird tangential piece of information is <laughs> there's a phrase that is related to this that I wanted, would like to talk about called lesbian bed death. What the fuck? Yeah. So... <laughs> so there's uh for forgive me for how um homophobic that phrase may seem but the the phrase was coined in psychology because it was a psychologist who was observing lesbian couples after a period of five to seven years they would essentially stop having sex like all of them 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he called it lesbian bed death because he first saw it when he was observing lesbians. That's not fair to lesbians. It actually happens in every relationship. So after a period of five to seven years, typically you just stop having sex with your partner in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, there's a movie called The Seven Year Itch. Uh, that makes a whole lot of sense too, where they talk about married couples and after about seven years, you start kind of like having a wandering eye, so to speak. Oh, well, Mm. gee, I wonder why you're incredibly sexually unsatisfied. And that movie was, I think probably from the fifties or sixties back when everybody got married before the age of 25. And so after you get married at 22 and you're 28 and your sex drive is still raging because women's sex drives peak around 30, you're going to be like, well, where am I going to fucking get it from? Because I'm tired of fucking this asshole. Interesting. So with obviously BDSM, like that's something that you're into and everything, but, uh, is there any other type of fetishes that you are open to or like, you know, that you would do that you like, you know, do you like, I don't know, like fucking fingers or toes? I don't like, uh, I don't like feet. Um, and that's, that doesn't come with any sort of judgment attached to it. I, you know, people are into whatever they're into. So long as it's not taking advantage of others, Mm -hmm. then I would say then it's allowed. And, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of stuff you can be into. Certain people like needles pierced through their skin. Um, True. Certain people like... bloodletting where it like you they they cut get cut so deep that it's like more about seeing the blood gush out um and i know people like this so mm-hmm. oh, oh uh, hook suspension is mm. probably one of the most extreme things you can see uh where people literally take large meat hooks and put them into parts of their body and then suspend themselves in air from them like hellraiser if you've seen that movie it's amazing to, to a degree i mean not not quite like that obviously but um the 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 folks that i've seen do it are more kind of like meditative about it where the rush of endorphins that they experience kind of elevates their consciousness in a weird sort of way i I would say or at least i would say that that's what they've told me i i've i actually uh would roll the dice on that i would totally try it once and see what it's all about but I really? haven't. Yeah, yeah. Do you like, would you ever pee on a girl? Not my flavor of ice cream. Um, again, no judgment. If that's your thing, go, good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had partners where they wanted that. And I was like, eh, it's not my thing. Um, and also not willing to do it. You know, I feel like there's a lot of things out there too where it's like a lot of people in certain circumstances would be like, well, if it makes you happy whatever i'll do it it's not necessarily my thing but Mm -hmm. it turns me on that it's turning you on yeah i'm i'm in that realm like i have watched a link you know if it was like a suggested video on whatever porn platform i was watching and i may have watched like a, a somebody pissing on someone else or whatever and i feel like I'm not into that 
and again, you know, we're, we're we are not king shaming here on New Radio. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not particularly into it. But if my partner wanted, like, if they ask, like, "Hey, Kenny, like, can you piss on me?" Um, I would be open to try it out, even though my only handicap is that I'm pee shy. Oh, that's gotta be fucking difficult. Yeah. So, like, I can't even piss at urinals. Like, I can't drunk pee in front of or around friends. Like, they have to like walk away. Like, I'm the guy who goes into a stall and will wait for a stall to come, you know, available. Yeah. Before I pee at a urinal, because like I just don't like people watching me pee. So. I'm open to it, but I just think that it would be difficult mm. for me to actually do the task of, you know, peeing on somebody and stuff. But then again, I remember I used to feel embarrassed about like coming on, you know, coming in front of somebody. But of course, I've gotten out of the way um, plenty of time. But so you don't like feet. I don't like feet either. Um, you know, I like a person to have aesthetically pleasing feet like just in case if they touch me in the bed like i won't jump out like a cat <laughs> i'm like that no gnarly ass yeah feet. as long as no. It's no like gnarly ass fucking bought up feet like oh my god like i almost gagged but yeah none of that but you apparently know, people in the foot fetish industry it's all about the size of the foot People so, like the size of the foot. Yeah. They like the soles. They like a bunch of fucking shit. I, I learn new things every day um, since I've been on Twitter. Oh, which yeah. Twitter is a, <laughs> Twitter is a porn platform at this point, too. I'm not surprised. With everyone doing their OnlyFans. I mean, good for them, though. You know, I feel like that's become incredibly normalized. And I think that the quicker we get away from stigma associated with sexuality the better in a weird sort of way and mm -hmm. then also at the same time with so many people taking advantage of only fans as a platform like <laughs> good because we also should normalize sex work um i think a lot of people judge people that are in sex work and it's just like man fuck you like you, that person isn't hurting anybody mm -hmm. uh, so what what right do we really have to kind of like pass judgment on them in a, in a negative sense where like their behavior should be restricted. Um, a weird piece of information to draw into this conversation. So one, <laughs> of, one of these tattoos that I got on my left hand uh, mm -hmm. is actually a symbol of the satanic temple. And I, I noticed that. Yeah. And, and um, what they do is it's actually a secular religion and um, it's awesome. There's, it's, it's essentially a troll religion. It's not about the devil. And it's actually only in... It's only about Christianity in the way that they in, encourage secularism. So they'll take areas that have passed laws about religious freedom. For instance, the people that said that they wouldn't service gay people and sell them birthday cakes because it was their religious right to do so mm -hmm. and then they'll take advantage of the way that the law was interpreted by giving people religious rights over equal opportunity rights and then totally just fuck with the system so these are the same people that put like a bah bahamut spat a statue in front of the arkansas courthouse because they were like well if you're gonna have one by the ten commandments then you have to have our religion too 
And yeah. so eventually they took down the Ten Commandments and they're like, yeah, we don't want any of this shit. And, and they're like, yeah, you're right, because there should be ch- separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. And uh, more recently, what they did was they stood up hard for female rights and said that um, all of these restrictions that you're passing on abortion rights because you're saying it's part of religious freedom mm-hmm. to do so uh, actually infringes on our religion because abortion is a ritual as- ritualistic aspect of the satanic temple. Mm. So you can't use religion as a justification to restrict abortion rights if if it's part of our religion. Got you. And so they're going to take this to the Supreme Court, which is fucking awesome, I think. So uh, they're basically, you know, a bunch of progressives. Yeah. They're incredibly progressive and the far left. And what they're doing is they're using their uh, religion mm-hmm. to advocate for secularism because part of the tenets of their religion is that religion has no place in politics. I fuck with it, and I perp- and I, I I agree with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, so hail Satan. Well, you know, <laughs> I was just watching uh, the witch uh, last night. Have you ever seen The Witch? I haven't. Oh my god, it's amazing. It's a super like old style, like pagan, uh, you know, ritualistic movie. You know, they're pilgrims essentially, and they live in like some town outside of town, and uh, they have like a goat. Wait, that... oh, I did see this. Yeah, you had to see it. Like it I came thought, out like twenty seventeen yeah, or twenty sixteen. Yeah, it's not that old of a movie. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, new. Uh, the Witch. But, yeah, they, you know, it was some devil shit. Um, I mean, so, okay, so you have those things. So, uh, do you like come play or spit play? I know some people like that. No, not not really into that. I feel like it's, those serve the function of uh, humility play. Which is, mm. is kind of like a broader umbrella where like you get off on either humiliating your partner or your partner gets off on being humiliated. Mm. Um, I'm more of the mind where I'm like, I like to celebrate my partner. Like this should be a pleasurable experience, right? Okay. It's kind of like those folks that you meet in life where like they talk shit to you and they think that's the way to flirt with you. It's like, no, that's, I don't want anybody to feel that way. Like my way to get you to be attracted to me isn't by invalidating you and then hold validation right outside of your grasp no i'm gonna be like yo you're awesome you look great that's dope amazing dragon ball t-shirt and you're gonna and then when you think about it you're gonna be like yo robert's cool i feel good when i'm around robert you know kind of attitude no i like that it's funny because that's the way that like you know people who don't know i'm originally from detroit michigan and like that's how we flirt you talk shit we talk shit like we're known <laughs> we're known for being shit talkers or like you know or what we say like we talk cash shit so that's how we flirt it's the banter you know the girl plays hard to get she like you know invalidates the dude mm-hmm. he comes in for and then she's like the fuck away from me asshole and then you know but she's like you know her body language is telling a different story of course yeah she's open and receptive to him but she's like talking shit to him see i think that gets just like rapey 
I'm, well, I'm, I'm it, like, hey, yeah. d- don't like if no means yes, then like no, I, I'm I'm she's, not participating. <laughs> yeah, she's mind you, mind you, you know, um, for men or women, you know, whatever whatever your sexual you know persuasion is, uh, you're not running away. Your body language isn't you know shelling yourself up and closing yourself you know from that person. Like it's very inviting, but also just like talking shit and like calling them out like. Oh, dude, you not shit. Like, whatever. Like, and he's like, "Oh, you so pretty." He's like, "Oh, how many girls you fucking talk to?" Uh, and tell that to tonight. Like, he's like, "Nah, ma. Like, I love you. Um, I love like your vibe and all that shit." And she's like, "Get the fuck going somewhere, you know." Like, I like it. It keeps going on. Like, that's just how we do. Back in Michigan, uh, we we talk shit. That's how we flirt. Um, and a lot of people can't handle that because they'll probably think that we're uh, making fun of you or whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, that's just how we actually fart. It's, it's crazy. I remember I had that kind of candor with a girl that I dated uh, at a bar that I was running. And she would insult me. <laughs> and then was I... Was she from Chicago or Detroit? Uh, New England, actually. Mm. And And we would have these back and forth exchanges that were... Very flirty, but mm. also kind of like mildly insulting. And it got to this point where she was doing it one day and I went into a, went up to her at the bar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think I said something along the lines of, I think you think that flirting is talking trash to me. And, she, lo- and she looks at me and, and I go, if you really want to go out with me, that's not the way to do it. Hmm. And what was her facial reaction? I'm sure it looked Ye- crazy. Well, years later, she was just like, "I really liked that," and she was like, "You, you were very direct, and it was bold." Mm. But she's like, "I really liked that. It was bold." No, being direct and and having a clear shot of what you want and how you want to do it—that's the best way. And I tell dudes all the time. Obviously, the delivery is going to be different, but. I appreciate somebody who is direct. Yeah. I'm that same way. Of course, I'm not thinking that every single person is going to give me what I can put out, but I appreciate it when some guy is direct and, you know, let me know what the fuck you want. Like, what is your intentions with me? Like, let's not beat around the bush so we're not wasting each other's time. I feel like the biggest lost opportunities in my life were because both people were waiting for the other person to blink first. Yep. You know what I mean? That happens a lot. There's been so many instances, whether it be uh, quick, like you're saying, in an instance where you're like, oh, I just wanted to hook up with somebody, or um, literally uh, in other cases where I'm like, oh, no, I was in love with them. I just never told them and because I, mm. I wasn't comfortable saying it at the time, and neither were they. You know? Interesting. Just, I feel like a lot of life can be made by simply getting over yourself and and telling people how you feel. And sometimes I get how it may seem like that's overbearing or too much. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, um, you have these little snapshots of life where mm-hmm. if you don't say it then, you'll never get the opportunity. Mm. Very true. Very true. And I, I see a lot of situations where... People have those missed opportunities because of ego, because of pride or insecurity, which, again, uh, stems in ego. 
Yeah. But, you know, that's why, like, I always, whatever's on my mind, like, I'm very much a direct straight shooter. I need to get it off my chest. I need to address the pink elephant in the room. And I need to say exactly what's on my heart. Like, I'm, I don't have any pause when it comes to being vulnerable if I'm feeling a certain type of way or if I want to do something with someone I'll ask a question and you know I could probe and see exactly what they're comfortable with and you know like that's you just have to fill it out but I think like with even like with sex and stuff like that you know being gay uh there's so many different avenues of how to have sex and like what you know men like doing to each other um it gets really complex and i've shown one of my straight girlfriends a video and she damn near like dropped her phone and like ran out the house because she was like fuck like (laughs) she's like you dudes really be fucking i'm like yeah we depending on the partner of course well fuck like it gets it gets interesting and like i mean i've been i like to have sex you know um i'm seeing somebody right now uh and I like I'm needing him to be a little bit just a little bit more sexual. We we do it, but like I need so for broadly us to be a little speaking, bit more sexual. Not talking about this circumstance. Have you ever had a sexual partner that outpaced you? Never. I have. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've never met my match. Yeah. I have one person. Hmm. Yeah. That I'm thinking of. What did she do to you that like made you go like fuck? I'm in over my head. I gotta show out. No, it wasn't. It wasn't like her tastes were more extreme. It was more just the frequency where I'm like, cool. We had sex five times today, and mm-hmm. it's just like still wanting. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. But also, I'm tired. <laughs> I I worked. 60 hours this week (laughs) i'm a workaholic for sure no i hear that a lot like you know women especially when they get comfortable with you they want to uh they want to have sex and like they can keep on fucking going because their orgasms are completely different from ours just based off their anatomy and i talk to all my female friends and stuff i'm like damn like y'all they're like yeah especially when you got feelings for a dude they can go all fucking day if they wanted to which sometimes they want to i mean i'm all for it uh once in a blue moon but this person was like incredibly consistent which if anything that's flattering i'm just kind of like that's fantastic you know i felt the same way Hmm. but so are you able to like get it back up like within a certain amount of time like after like each nut like what is like your window to for downtime Man, I don't know. I I don't think I've ever uh I've I've never used a stopwatch. Um <laughs> I would say it's it's not that long, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh but I also don't know have anything to compare it to. Hmm. I feel like you, this is a very uniquely gay question because if you're having sex with another man, mm-hmm. then you can be like, "Oh, well we both came but like now I'm hard and you're not, and this isn't fair, or something. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't had gay sex before. Well, the thing is, you know, it just goes back to knowing you as a male, like knowing how. And of course, every dude is going to be completely different. Yes, everybody. But is. 
for the general aspect of things, we're all still men. We still have like the same type of orgasm. It's intense usually. And we're usually ready to power the fuck down. Now, of course, it takes a disciplined man to refrain from orgasming and everything like that, of course, to like have longer lasting sex. And sometimes like I'll run across bottoms who they'll say like, oh, yeah, like I want rounds. You know, I want multiple rounds with you and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, like because I have the endurance and then I have the capability of giving you rounds. Mm -hmm. So it's like. First off, I'm a I can control my orgasms. Mm -hmm. I've had years of practice, but it's just like because I, I consciously start edging myself at 24, I my endurance is crazy, but I can also you know, speed it up if I need to. See, that's weird. I feel like I don't have the the discipline you do, but I feel like hmm. generally it's more just like a very extended round period. Like just, you know, 20, I would say typical duration of a sexual experience for me uh, is upwards of 20 minutes. I mean, that's shit can get done in, in 20 minutes. Well, what I'm trying to say is like, I think that's like the low end. Um, and which is probably why I had a partner describe my sexual experience as rigorous. rigorous, where it's like, I think on average, according to Kinsey, after about 15 minutes, women experience discomfort. So mm. it's, it's one of those things. And then also, uh, you want to know a weird, interesting statistic is that 5% of women never orgasm, according to Kenzie, when you look at all of the, the sexual psychology stuff. I studies. thought it was like more than that. I think it's... Or like with sex, at least. Um, they don't orgasm with like sex with men. Yeah, well, they broke it down. They were like, a certain percentage of women were clitoral, certain vaginal, certain people uh, can have an orgasm, but not with a, with the partner. Certain people can only by themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But I think it was like 5% like never. And I'm like, what? Never? Never? Interesting. That's I so sad. I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm love, sorry, one out of 20 people out there. That I sucks. Ha I love having orgasms. I have to give myself orgasms every day. Um, do you have like a certain amount of orgasms that... Uh, you have to have within a day or a week. Oh, I don't think I've ever. Like, do you masturbate that. a lot? Uh, I mean, again, what's a lot? I don't know the statistics behind uh, masturbation. Otherwise, I'd be like, I would be on the upper or lower end. I feel like with most dudes, whenever I tell them how much I masturbate, mm. like most dudes say that they do it definitely once a day. I mean, I would say that's probably fairly normal, though. Not a lot, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean that's one of those things, too, where it's like... Um, I will say this in, in regards to uh, sexual behavior. Mm. I think, personally, I have an abundance of testosterone, um, which leads into a lot of these behaviors as, a, as an indicator of like what you can expect. Mm. Um, generally, I just retain muscle mass very easily i mm -hmm. work when i work out i see immediate results mm -hmm. um i don't tend to carry a lot of body fat uh and we're both mesomorphs 
Yeah. So like you, there are certain body types that are indicative of like large like an abundance of testosterone and when you have testosterone keynotes and a lot of testosterone in your system it just means your sex drive is going to be high. Yes. Um and that's just net amount of sex that a human probably wants to have. Um <laughs> that doesn't mean it's indicative of the type of sex or what orientation they are either though. True. Like it's just net amount of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I would say like that's that's probably the best answer I can give you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I I do it like four times a day. Okay. Yeah, like it needs to happen, and like this dude that like I've started seeing and stuff, he's like, damn, like I do it like once every few days or something like that, and I'm like, oh, interesting. I'm like, I would dry up like a raisin. <laughs> I love the imagery. No, like uh, I would dry up, like it would look really bad um, if I don't have my orgasms. Um, I have a thing that I call the fever. I feel like we've talked about this before because like all my close friends. Is this friends, like cowbell? Like like Christopher Walken? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I feel that way. Uh, when every five hours out the day, and I've kind of like kept track of it, generally every five hours out the day, uh, wherever I am does not matter. Whatever I'm doing, it does not matter. I get this wave of horniness. I and think I call that just simply being male. Is that what it is? I don't know. I I think that that's what that is. I I just man, you know. Uh, some sometimes <laughs> I feel like a uh, shame for really? for for looking at women and then feeling the way that I do sometimes because I don't want to ever like dehumanize them or or uh think of them only as sexual objects mm-hmm. but like aesthetically like something happens in your psychology as a man when you have an abundance of sexual hormone where you're just kind of like you see women and you're just like wow that's the most beautiful thing that I've seen in my life mm-hmm. and and uh I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way when you're, you're except for men, when you're mm-hmm. feeling this way and you're just kind of like, wow, you know, it's, it's like more gratifying than looking at the most beautiful piece of art you've ever seen. And you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I legit and it, like I say, it doesn't matter where I'm at, what I'm doing. I get like this, this surge of this feeling. It's like a blanket comes over me and. I get it's like uh, different stages. I get very irritable, <laughs> and then after like five minutes, the the irritable feeling goes away, and then I I get like this feeling of uh, malice where I'm just like super mopey, and I'm like hmm, like I'm looking around. I can't really focus on anything like that. Um, and then my close friends who know about the fever, at least, they'll call me out, you know, because if I'm with friends or something like that, they'll be like, Kenny, go to the bathroom. Whoa. OK, like, handle it. Like if we're at dinner or stuff, they'll be like talking to me and I'm like, oh, mm, uh, you know, and they're like, go and come back and be normal again. And I just need like five minutes. And I just need to just bust a nut and then come back. And I'm literally the Kenny that everyone knows and loves. I got a fever. <laughs> yes. 
It's fever I call it the, the fever. Morning, fever in the evening. Fever when you're holding me tight. Very nice vocals from from Rob. <laughs> no, like that's that's what I call it. But like my sex drive is super high, and that's what this guy is starting to learn. Is that I may not be completely freaky, uh, and I may be what some may deem as vanilla, but I do have a high sex drive. So that's like I feel like that I'm I'm more open to experiment with certain things. I'm a little bit more open minded. Certain things that I may not be totally into, but I do refer to myself as a sport. Yeah, you're gonna roll the dice. Yeah, if it's something that's not like you know, I'm, again, I'm not sucking on no toes. I'm not uh, swallowing somebody's spit. I'm not swallowing somebody's uh, uh, fucking urine. Can't do that. It's COVID, bro. <laughs> and yeah, and we're still in a pandemic. Definitely not doing that. And I'm not fucking. I don't do like any like the scat play, which you mentioned at the mm. first the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Uh, none of that. Uh, and probably some other shit. But other than that, like I'll be a sport. And I'll play around, you know, if it's something they're into, I'll play along with it. They get off on it. Great. We can do it. They're like spitting my mouth. I'll do that. Um, still up in the air on the pissing. I gotcha. TBD. I still don't, I still don't know if I can do that. But, uh, but yeah, and I, I like to sometimes get in situations where I might have sex with a female. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. It's fun because... The female I, sexual energy is different. <laughs> it's very magical and enchanting. Oh my god, women are fantastic. Yeah. Um, man, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time kind of in a weird dissociative state. I don't, I don't really kind of like. I think this has to do with, uh, you know, the the presentedness, which is why I've, I find it so exhilarating and, and such a turn on. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, I feel like sometimes I'm separated from everybody else in a weird way and i'm kind of different than humanity and and my comfort level is typically high when i'm not very in touch with my emotions because and and that's that's great because i feel like they're a liability a lot of times um but man to talk about like the whimsicalness of seeing somebody in a way that that uh you're attracted to them not mm-hmm. just turned on but attracted to that happened recently mm-hmm. and i feel really kind of i have some guilt associated with it because it was somebody i dated but they're engaged now oh yeah oh and i have a incredible amount of respect for this person mm-hmm. and uh she's kind and sincere and easy to talk to mm-hmm. and um there was just a weird moment where I felt like the comfort with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I This is what I said. I said, a lot of times, life is very one note. Mm-hmm. Almost to the point where it drowns out everything. Like an annoying one note, like a ringing. Mm-hmm. But you made me feel. Mm-hmm. And what that did is it... Mm-hmm. Blah, music in a world that sometimes and it sounds so beautiful Robert well it felt that way you know not a lot of things compel me to feel and I and I totally had feelings and I was just like that's such a gift and and it was a gift in a way where like 
it was melancholy mm-hmm. because I knew nothing could come of it. Mm. I'm not going to pursue something uh, at the expense of somebody's engagement. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I also respect this person greatly, so I would never do that. But um, it was such a gift because it's like melancholy and then also beautiful all at the same time because it's almost the feeling that you long for something that you can never have or never have had or or never will and and it's sad at the same time but when you feel nothing all the time even sadness can be a respite from the void of nothing yes that was very poetic very beautiful oh thanks i just think that that's uh how you feel sometimes you know and i think it's weird everybody goes through these weird dissociative states in small doses mm-hmm. um especially when they've been slighted right like you break up with somebody and you're just like well fuck them i'm gonna whatever and then eventually you just kind of don't feel anything and it's i think your your mind's way of protecting itself from emotions that are too intense so it goes hey you know those emotion things you're just not gonna feel them for a while yeah and then people come back to their emotions and then they level off and they're healthy again <laughs> that sounds like me when when we were roommates back in 2016 like that definitely sounds like the stage where I was at because I was going through uh, a separation of you know a situation of course which we know um, yeah and uh, we talked about that uh, on episode one I think um, but I just felt like you know I was trying to find myself again and after being with this person for so long and like with them for so long, I felt like I was missing a limb. So I felt like, you know, like, fuck the world, fuck love, all this shit. I need to figure out how to get back to myself without this person and blah, 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 and become empowered and everything. And I just had a lot of sex in Mm. 2016. Uh, That's my year that I call uh, my savage year because I was very busy you know a weird thing is that uh sexual assault victims or Mm -hmm. i shouldn't say sexual assault sexual abuse victims Mm -hmm. uh also uh participate in the same behavior Mm -hmm. what they they do is they feel like they're reclaiming their sexual identity by uh becoming uh promiscuous um and i think that's what it means i can't say that for any case obviously if you've and had to endure something like that you are your own person and unique but mm-hmm. it's a very common phenomena amongst people that go through that where they act out in this way where you would think mm-hmm. you know somebody that went through something like that you go well clearly they don't want to have sex at all for a long time mm-hmm. it's quite the opposite they actually go out and try to reclaim their sexual identity by having lots of sex with I felt, yeah, and and whoever who has had the misfortune of dealing with that, you know, definitely uh, we love feedback and commentary and stuff, so give us some of your input if you had to deal with that. But I know for me, like, it definitely feels empowering, and uh, I just felt very strong, and I felt like I was actually doing something. And validated, right? Yeah. When When you feel attractive, it's a certain kind of energy. You know, when you're confident in your own skin and you feel attracted, it, it almost snowballs and begets itself in a weird way. I always mm-hmm. say that most achievement in life is all momentum based. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like you need to 
after you go through a bad breakup, you need to start building momentum again. And and mm-hmm. part of that momentum is simply feeling like you're attractive again. Mm-hmm. And it and that can take the form of going out and having sex with lots of people. It can take the form of you staying home and reading books. It doesn't necessarily have to take any particular form. Whatever makes you feel better in your own skin is mm-hmm. really what it is. True. But a lot of us will have to go out and build momentum again. We do ourselves a disservice to kind of get out of something and then think we're going to jump right back into the momentum mm-hmm. that we had before because mm-hmm. that's not realistic. Yeah, I felt like I needed to, you know, I just remember feeling like I needed to get back into whatever random groove that I was into, which is what I'm used to just in my life in general. Uh, as a Sagittarius, you know, anybody who knows zodiac signs and stuff like that, who's studying and really pay attention to it, we're scatterbrained, we're random as fuck, like the adventure is our thrill of life. So I just felt like I needed to get back into that instead of like being with someone and doing these things. So remember, I was like going to a new city like every fucking month and I had sex in every city. It was crazy, but it was fun. I I racked up a bunch of memories and um, I just, you know, I kind of thought about like what my dad said, like just making those memories that you can have when you're an old grandpa uh <laughs> rock into your chair and like yeah. you're smiling to yourself and you always say like you know when your grandkids are like fuck his granddad laughing at and it's like little do you know he's not senile he's just recapping from when he had it um and when he was getting it so do you feel like you're so scatterbrained in a way where you purposefully seek out intense activities uh, because they're the only things that beckon your attention? Well, I don't do, like, any, like, risque things. Uh, I don't like, you know, any type of, like, life-threatening scenarios. Maybe some people do, but... Yeah, no bungee jumping, no, yeah, no, bungee no skydiving. Jumping, yeah, no roller coasters. Like, I don't like all that stuff or whatever. But, like I said, like, before, I really do get a genuine thrill of... Um, seeing the female uh sexual energy like, oh interesting i don't know what it's about it's something very uh foreign to me and how many again, women have you had sex with uh it's been about i think three okay at this point don't ask me the same question I you don't, know don't, don't, don't ask me the same question with dudes <laughs> i mean yeah um but I, I lived life and particularly in 2016 yeah. But um, yeah, like I just it's something. And again, just going based off of my curiosity, I love the adventure of seeing like, damn, like I my my gay ass can turn on a girl enough to like get her nipples hard, wop, dripping, you know, whatever, however y'all want to say, like the fact that I can turn on a girl. Um, Hold on here. Yes. Wap or wop? Wop. Wop? Wop. Because WAP used to be a derogatory term they threw at Italians. Right. They're not calling people that. Okay. They're re- referring to their vaginas. You know that was actually an acronym? It used to stand for without papers. It was like... Same. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Not yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of folks are just like WAP. You yeah, know? like when Italians like 
you know, came to New York and stuff, and that was a derogatory term. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no, hopefully it's still on use that, which I haven't heard it, but yeah, WAP, uh, wet ass pussy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cardi B and Make the Stallion. It went number one. I think we're post Italian WAP. It's been a really long time. It's been a long time. I feel like yeah. that's a phrase from a Scorsese film. Like, it's just. Only an old grandpa who might still be alive would right? call somebody who's a racist grandpa or grandma would call somebody that. Aren't a um, lot of these racist terms just kind of like, how old are you? Yeah, it's like, damn, that's dated, bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, should I laugh at you or should I smack you or pepper spray you, grandpa? <laughs> um, but yeah, the WAP, the wet-ass pussy. Uh, but no, I get a thrill from going out, and if a girl finds me attractive, we're having a good time, we're dancing. And I'm a flirt. I'm a natural flirt. Mm-hmm. And I like to see the excitement. I like to see like the energy of uh, their sexuality like come through. And uh, like I say, it's it's foreign to me because I am a gay male and uh, I kind of get not turned on, but I get again, it piques my curiosity. I know somebody who uh, is a female bisexual and uh, she was saying she's like 50 50, totally 50, like coin toss, coin toss. Now, which isn't always the case. I feel like it's a disservice to other bisexuals to be like, you know, all bisexuals are 50 50. Mm-hmm. Um and we were discussing it and she's like I love dick but mm-hmm. she goes but m- from her perspective she goes men will never be as beautiful as women according, mm-hmm. according to her I I think that the the feminine energy mm-hmm. is is a unique uh thing out there um and and uh, man, like we get into real dicey territory when we talk about gender nowadays. Also, true. Uh, but there's just I don't know how to describe it. It's one of those amorphous like thing. Like it's it's like trying to tell somebody why art is beautiful. You know, <laughs> uh, there's no objective kind of standard here in this particular circumstance, or there's no definition. Also, in a way where I hope I I'm not trying to insult anybody either. Mm-hmm. But um, I've known some women that are just absolutely beautiful and and it's it's like watching it's like looking at art when they're you know it, it's it's mm. it's man it's a just it's a different thing you i'm constantly impressed by how strong and elegant women are all the time yeah i mean and i feel the same way with your female bisexual friend uh it's is something beautiful about the female anatomy, the elegance, you know, the softness, you know, that's something that, again, it, to see them revved up, it kind of like gets me excited. Mm. It's kind of like when I'm with, and I was having to talk with one of my friends earlier, it's kind of like when you have sex with like a goofy person, like that class clown <laughs> Someone who's like a comedian, they're always funny. They can never take anything seriously. But when you have sex with them, they're serious. Mm. Oh, like that's that's kind of fucking hot because they're not joking anymore. They're not your normal. They're not the normal, you know, he he ha ha all the fucking time. They're serious. They're focused. They're they're aroused. Uh, Something about that would turn me the fuck on and something about with women uh, you know, having all the many, you know, aspects to them, 
that are magical and stuff, oh. seeing them sexually aroused uh, and being at the forefront of that, like, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, because I'm used to the Main male energy. energy, which is primal and it's, it's uh, typically aggressive depending on who you're dealing with. I was going to say aggressive. Because yeah, it can be, it, I mean, men can be gentle and men can True. be soft. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if we're talking about tops and bottoms and bursts and all that stuff or whatever, men can be soft and gentle and uh, very enchanting. But at the same time, the act of sex can be aggressive and primal. Uh, you know, so I do enjoy that. Like, uh, and if it's like a guy friend of mine, like you know, I'm I'm down to have like some fun with the <laughs> with girl um i don't think that i can have a one-on-one with the girl so no a la carte i don't think i can oh okay Interesting. I, i'm sure i could but i'm afraid afraid yes afraid of what just the whole focus of just like me and a girl like i mean it's it's all hands on deck like and i can please a girl like i i when i lost my virginity to one at 26 I watched enough porn growing up. I knew where to go. And she had a great time. I like how I'm exacerbated. But if you were like, oh, yeah, you wouldn't have sex with a man. I'd be like, no, a man. <laughs> I'd be like, no, it's not my flavor of ice cream. It just all goes into like your curiosity. Like and, you know, sexuality really is on a Kinsey scale. And, uh, you know, if one is fully heterosexual and five is fully 50 50 bisexual and 10 is homosexual have you had sex with trans people you know not yet uh i i remember like i had a situation a few years back where there was a trans man that hit me up on the app uh we call any app that we call uh brothers grinder jacked or scruff or whatever we call it the app yeah it's a hookup app okay whichever one it might be but he hit me up and he, you know, let me know like it when said, you say he is that his preferred pronoun or what? Yes. He, okay, got it. Yeah, that was his preferred pronoun, and it said FTM, you know, female to male, and uh, I wasn't attracted to him okay. just as a person. But if you were attracted to a man as a person, and it was FTM, mm-hmm. then one once you get downstairs, you're working with different scenery, so to speak. How would you approach would would that change the way you felt about the sexual experience? Well, I'll never forget when uh even uh, this was back when we were roommates, 2016. Yeah. I was watching porn and it was I thought again I was just going through like different videos and stuff cuz I was doing, having an edging session that can go on for like an hour or so. And I went to the next video, it was two dudes fucking. Yeah. And uh about 5 minutes into the video uh, the camera cuts to the POV shot and the guy who was like this super butch muscular like redhead like ball head fucking guy like of a a fucking bear had a pussy oh it blew my fucking mind and he was literally getting plowed in his pussy and he looked like he looked more manly than any other biological man that you can ever think of. Yeah. Like it threw me to fuck off, but he had an actual vagina and he was getting fucked in it. And it, it fucked me up for like two days. So I was just like, 
I was just like, what the fuck did I see? Like, that was a lot. You know, like, I didn't, it caught me by surprise. Yeah. I had never seen anything like that before. And uh, once the years had started going by and stuff, and like when this particular guy had hit me up on one of the apps, this was probably like two years ago, and I just wasn't attracted to him, but I just remember thinking like, I wonder like, what if I did something like that? Like, what mm. could I, you know, like, am I attracted to vaginas? Um, you know, I do love dick. I love dick. And even if I'm fucking with bottoms and stuff, some bottoms don't like having their dick sucked and stuff like that. Some bottoms have ugly dicks. Some people have ugly dicks in general. And I'm not putting my mouth on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I might, you know, I might touch it to acknowledge its presence and stuff like that, but I'm really all about the ass. Okay. So I kind of thought back to it. I'm like, well, if I'm not putting every dick in my mouth, cause I don't find every dick attractive, maybe with this vagina, like, you know, this is a big part of them. Like, I'm sure like they're going to want to get fucked in their vagina and not fucked in their ass like that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course there are some porn stars that I've seen on Twitter yeah. who like it in both, which, Hey, get it in yeah uh, but yeah and it did spark my curiosity probably like the last year and a half where i would be down with um i'm curious of trying it uh-huh. i'm curious of trying it i think i'd with the trans man not to personally hmm. but if it did happen with the trans man or trans uh woman um and uh sorry that wasn't my answer i was that was like an an expression of thought uh with a male to female i guess yes uh if it happened and i somehow i stumbled upon that Mm -hmm. circumstance and 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 post you know like aftermath of 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 thinking about it yeah post um i would say the way i would probably feel about it though is not that I would question anything about my sexual preference because I was attracted to the things about the person that were feminine. Which was presented as a woman. Yes. Yes. It's just they didn't have, they had a different toolbox, so to speak. In the front part. Yes. And so I think it's one of those weird things where I'm like, I, I think other circumstances would have me questioning like, Am I straight or am I bi or what? Are, what's going on now? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, whereas I feel like if that circumstance happened, then I would be like, "Well, I'm st- I'm still straight. It's mm-hmm. just this is a thing that is a nuanced aspect of my straighthood, I guess." Yeah, and it took me a long time. You know, coming from you know back east and stuff, like everything's so close-minded and stuff, and you know, you learn a lot of things when you move to a city like LA, where you know you have very gay friendly, very sex positive, you know, behaviors. And oh, stuff. we live in a fucking bubble, dude. Oh, it's great. And I love this yeah, fucking bubble. And I too. do not want to get popped. And <laughs> I learned because, you know, growing up as a kid, like I was ignorant to the fact that, you know, thinking like, oh, well, you see like these uh, trans women at the gay clubs or something like that. And you have like guys that's like fucking them. And maybe they have like those fetishes for trans women because some dudes do um and i know that trans women don't like that shit because who wants to be fetishized Mm, um but uh i just remember thinking about those guys as being gay because no matter how the woman presented herself 
she still had a, a piece of male genitalia left. Mm-hmm. And it took me to move to L.A. and actually, like, you know, educate myself a little bit more and, like, actually make friends with trans women to find out, like, you know, the thing is, if they look, however, on their rector scale of, like, femininity, they look, you know, aesthetically and stuff, that's their prerogative, of course. But yeah. um, they present as a woman. Mm-hmm. Rather, they, you know, have, like, tits, ass, you know, like, the hips, everything like that. And they just, if they do have um, a penis still, rather, because some women don't want to get rid of their penises, some do. So, rather or not, if they want to keep it or not, it's just, like, they present as a woman. So, when, here I am thinking, like, oh, yeah, that dude must be gay. And it's, like, they're, like, no, Kenny, like, I look like I present as a woman. Mm. This man is attracted to my womanhood. femininity and yes. my womanhood. And despite what I might have on my front part, rather he, you know, decides to do anything with it, uh, which a lot of times like they don't, I guess. Um, See, th- this is a weird nuanced conversation it's too, very nuanced. about gender because it's like, um, I would like to bring up like there's lesbians out there that are much, uh, Man, what how what's the PC phrase? I feel like saying "butch" isn't appropriate, um, but there's they know what's up. Yeah, studs, butch. Yeah. Okay, they yeah. Do. So there's lesbians out there that have very, I would say, masculine energy. I don't know yes. if that's appropriate either. But um, when lesbians are attracted to other lesbians who have incredibly masculine energy, mm-hmm. um, they're still. I think they still consider themselves gay and lesbian, even though yes the masculine energy is a thing there where if i was attracted to a transgendered person who had presented female energy i'd be like no i'm straight even if it were uh, a biological male which you still are consider straight whereas in a very different circumstance they're like no we're 100 percent gay Mm -hmm. you know you see what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. so it's it's very uh same circumstance different outcome yeah, like you still you still would be considered straight, even if you did have sex with a, a woman of trans persuasion that may have had a penis, or if she got it taken off. Yeah, and know. but and yet, uh, women who sleep with other women who that are women that present masculine energy mm-hmm. would, if I if I told them they weren't lesbians, and in fact are actually straight because of that uh they would chop my head off i think i mean because the thing is like they still and i have lesbian friends too who are you know i mean obviously what they call themselves is like studs yes you know um that's different too they don't consider themselves wanting to be male either exactly because it's their identity so same thing with very different yeah same thing with gay boys who you know teeter the uh the scale on like femininity and everything like that uh, rather they wear whatever things, you know, it's plenty of them during these uh, years and stuff like that, but they still consider themselves male and they're gay. Um, and then, of course, you have the men and women who decide to transition. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, that's when you become heterosexual because you like a man who may have a vagina. You like a woman who may have a penis. Um, you know, so it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's obviously very nuanced and stuff. And 
I do want to have one of my trans friends. Oh, I'd um, love to talk to them. I would love, I would love to have a trans man and woman. Oh yeah, um, yeah. On an episode of New Radio, because uh, and I'd love can, to like, see where they disagree. Yeah, I would love to see that. Um, You know, this show is all about discovery and everything and like exploration and, you know, sex positivity, of course. But, you know, uh, it's interesting, but I would be open to having sex with a trans man. Um, Who knows? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody out there is listening like, hey, sign me up. No, like, be a handsome, you know, I don't have a type or whatever, but, like, as <laughs> uh, long as I find you to be handsome and stuff like that, you know, uh, I'm open to trying it out. Don't get mad at me if I might go limp. I don't know if my performance may not be what it should be uh, because of just the genitalia part of it's throwing me off. Mm. that's the only thing because again I'm used to penises and I like penis and I like booty hole um, but and I'll and again not all penises but uh, I'm open to trying it out like I, I definitely would see exactly like what that must be like but that's why I say I think like you know on the Kinsey scale of sexuality I am an I'm like an, a seven and a half eight Okay. Like, I'm not fully homosexual, but I'm because I'm down to play around. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, lucky them. <laughs> On the Kinsey scale for you, where will you rank yourself? Man, I don't, I don't think that uh, anybody is. I thought it was a one to six, but I might be wrong. Um, and this might be my own little Kinsey scale, but yeah. I think nobody's I a true one or a six, according to Kinsey. But mm-hmm. overall, I would say I'm generally mostly attracted to feminine. Uh, like, I can recognize when men are attractive, but mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been compelled to be like, whoa, that man's so attractive, I gotta jump his bones kind of feeling. Right. That's not a sentiment I've ever um, mm-hmm. And I've been in circumstances where I was having threesomes and stuff where other men were there. So I've had opportunity and and uh you know the never taken any of those up you know so, yeah so it's one of those things where um mostly straight i'd say well, forgive me if that's boring out there in podcast land no that's fine <laughs> don't no we're one thing here at the show and i hope that all my audience uh whether you be in Egypt India Croatia or United States um no don't straight shame anybody huh don't gay shame anyone um i think they also know like even as far as like in a gay community like don't top shame because they, they'll do that oh yeah uh the versatile men they'll do that uh because they like both and they want to convert you over but that's do they call them switches no they, they're uh called versatile oh interesting in, or in, it's just verse for short in bdsm they call them switches oh so if you if you top it just means you're the dominant one in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, obviously, if you're submissive, you're the one that is typically having the things done to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do both, uh, then you're considered a switch. And oh, then yeah. uh, if you... There's a weird nuance to it also where they say, <laughs> like, you can top from the bottom, so to speak. So you like the things being done to you, but you're calling the shots. Okay. Does that make sense? 
That makes sense. Yeah, and and obviously the vice versa is true where it's like you're bottoming from the top. In other words, you are the submissive one, but you are doing the things to the other person, but they're telling you what. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, in the gay community, we have uh, tops, bottoms, um, versatile, which again, we cut it down and say like verse. um, And those guys obviously are the ones that do both. And uh, I will be interviewing somebody who is fully versed uh, because I do think that there is an agenda. There's an agenda. Yes, it is. Uh, Because as a top um, who does not plan on bottoming anytime soon, um, it's just like they'll try to get you over and they'll know that you're a top mm-hmm. and you'll fuck them and they'll love it and then they'll be like well why don't you let me top you and it's like dude you fucking know what the fuck I like Yeah, you know I don't want to be penetrated like leave me alone like why don't you just mess with other verse dudes yeah like stop trying to convert me but it's it's an agenda but I'll, I'll definitely have um, a talk with one of those guys to sit down cause is controversy. You're like ulterior motives. Yeah, they'll they'll say false like, pretenses. But we're gay men. You should be able to do both. And it's like whoa, whoa. no, that's not true. What happening to just like respecting a person's preferences? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taking a dick is not an easy task. <laughs> I've done it before. It was enjoyable when I've done it. Like in a, in my past, it's been a long time now, but. It's been so spotty, like, because I've never really been, like, somebody who's like, oh, I need to get fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just happened. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Truth or myth? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in college, I had a really close gay friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And he saw some guy that he had had sex with. And he's like, oh, my God, he's got a really big dick. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, lucky you. And he goes, no, that's actually a bad thing in the gay community. Is that's that a-, a truth or a myth? That's a myth. That's a myth. Because one thing I learned when I came into the gay community was the bigger the dicks, the better it felt. Oh, really? Yeah. So size queens all the way, all of them. Basically, because they said that, you know, um, and no shade to anybody who has a a skinnier dick, but they said no matter if it's short and skinny or long and skinny, it hurts. It's uncomfortable because it's a probing type feeling. God. Whereas a girthier, and I hear this from women with uh, vaginas, of course, where they like a, a dude that is girthier versus a dude that may not be as long. You know, if he long, then fine. But it's about the width. Mm. The girth is what matters. It fills you up. It makes you feel like something is in there and it spreads you out a little bit more. So same thing for dudes, though. That's yes, what they right like. in the ass. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so just so... Net, net positive all the way across all of the... Girth and length, both the better. Yeah, when I was a young grasshopper, the times that I did have bottom experiences, they were uh, bigger dicks. Oh, well, and I was surprised. Lucky that I was surprised that that actually happened to me. Um, but I said, "Damn, I took that like a champ. Like, who would have thought?" But is there a sense of pride with that? For me, it is because I wasn't a bottom. Mm. So the fact that I actually bottomed is what would shock me and I'll be like, wow. And that dude had a particularly larger penis and I'm like, wow, that actually happened. And I depend on the dude, I actually got pleasure from it and I enjoyed it. Um, do I want to do that again? Uh, maybe not, you know, and a friend of mine was joking recently said that, you know, certain people are like boyfriend dick versus like 
biannual mm. dick or vacation dick. Oh yeah. And it's like sometimes the the size is so unmanageable that you're like, yo, I'm gonna need some time to recover here. I keep hearing about this boyfriend dick from men and women. Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially is this, is this on, a phrase that goes around right now? It's going around on Twitter, on okay. the Twitterverse, because I'm new on Twitter because of the podcast, obviously. I'm trying to build an audience. Um, and I just made a fucking Twitter. So uh, it's enjoyable, but I'm learning new things. But yeah, this boyfriend dick is like a, the new thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and a myth. Yeah. I say no yeah. such thing. <laughs> and boyfriend dicks, from what I've heard from men and women, are uh, like a nice, happy medium. It's not small at all. Yeah, it's like gold. And it's not huge. It's right there in the middle. It's it's girthy. You can spin around on it. And again, this goes for people taking an ass or the pussy. You can spin around on it. You can get plowed by it and enjoy it. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, you know, that saved me the uh, the Urban Dictionary. Yeah, I think, like, when I thought about it, I'm like, well, fuck, maybe, do I have do I have a boyfriend dick? Like, you know, um, I guess, I don't know. Do you or don't? Well, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like, what if you, like, had a series of sexual partners, but then you start thinking about it, and you're like, wait, but they, they only want to have sex with me, like, maybe once a month, and, mm. and in the same interval. Mm. And then you're like, am I? I'm I'm... Only monthly dick. I'm not boyfriend dick. That could happen. Um, I'm bi-weekly. I have... I feel like all the durations here, you're like, I'm solstice dick. Yes, the winter solstice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when when the planets are aligned, Mm -hmm. uh, that's when it happens. I'm quarterly income tax dick. Or that, or when this next stimulus check is going to happen dick. Uh, (laughs) Whoa, that's a big one. Um, but no, like, I feel like a lot of dudes that I've had sex with, like, they do give back feedback and I have high up reviews. Oh, I'm oh. very pleased to say that. Cause I am a pleaser. Like how you said mm-hmm. earlier, I do what I need to do and what needs to be done. I aim to please. And they do tell me like, I have like the perfect size dick. That's what they'll say. It's like real estate. You're like nine out of 10 people are referrals. No, like they, they love it. <laughs> Our return customers. Uh, if if I was selling this stick, uh, which I've, <laughs> I've thought about in the past uh, when I was going through my LA struggle back in the day, which I celebrated my eight year th- uh, anniversary last week. Oh, dope! Yeah, like eight years strong. Um, Congrats! I went through an eight month struggle in LA, and I did consider uh, doing porn. Oh, but I said, you know what? No, no, I'm going to persevere, and I'm going to. Figure some other route and yeah, because I didn't want to get into like the whole life because I would have to go straight into it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, once you do porn, like that's it. Yo, you, you, that's not something you can take back. The OnlyFans world now, like once you do it, like it's out there, like you might as well, even when OnlyFans dries up. Like I said, though, like at this point, I feel like it's healthy that it's being normalized. No, it's great. It's, it's liberating for, a ton of people and stuff, but I just feel like for the people who are actually engaged in a sexual activity on OnlyFans, ah, uh, yes, you know, there are levels people that aren't, you know, but yeah, I just feel like you know, if I was to do it, like I would need to just go straight into actual porn, yeah, like I would need to make my own porn production company because that's what I would want to do. Whoa, okay, that's I mean, you're like not even like just, I'll elevate, done, yeah, you're like I'm ambitious. I'm an ambitious person, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you're right. There are levels. You can probably see pictures of some of my ex-girlfriend's uh, nude modeling pictures online. Sure. And so, like, there are definitely, like, levels of, like, what people are doing on OnlyFans. Because some are just like, want to see my nudes? And it's like, there you go. That's mm-hmm. what their OnlyFans is. And then so, certain other ones are, like, a bit much more than that. Yes. Um, and uh, I have a friend that is a sex worker in Mississippi. And she was just, like, literally, I, I think she's in the top 3% of her uh only fans content creators. content creators and uh-huh. and she was just like i just look at it like it's a convenient way to make money because i'm gonna have sex with my boyfriend anyways and all i do is record it and i'm like oh okay well that's interesting i um, can fuck with that yeah, yeah yeah would you participate in someone's only fans video i don't know i have a lot of very obvious tattoos yeah you do yeah it would I, I, if I could be anonymous, I might. But I, there are a lot of my tattoos where you're like, you're not hiding that. Because you just have tattoos on your arms. I have arms, uh, hands, um, and my right nipple. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because um, yeah, in the gay world and stuff, and living over here in Hollywood, I'm literally surrounded by nothing but OnlyFans content creators and. They'll hit you up and ask you, like, if you want to, you know, contribute. I'd have to dress up like I was serving people at a COVID safe restaurant. And be like, gloves on, mask on, shield. That would, you (laughs) know what? That Nobody would be able to tell who I was. That would be funny in 2021. (laughs) Yeah, it's not funny right now. Because we'll be able to, like, laugh at, like what the fuck we had to go through with, you know, as serious as this pandemic is, we'll have to find like some levity in it and maybe recreate some certain pandemic porn or something like that uh, with somebody in a hazmat suit. Or I think that's probably like around the, the spectrum that people might find that funny or. Well, I already saw some people in Chatterbait. That, I'm not surprised. That were just kind of like face mask on, no condom. And I'm like, I don't know if it works that way. I'm pretty sure you're not safe if you're just raw dogging it there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, the raw dog is, is interesting. You know, people people don't use condoms anymore. Well, you are you are on prep, right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like it's it's different. But I still use condoms. Yeah, well, I mean, good for you. Everybody should. We're, you know. I would but, hope so, but they don't. But um, I think it's one of those, do all of your straight friends know what prep is? Yes. Okay, because I and feel like it's something that's not as known as it should be, to be honest. And it's available. The thing is, it is available to any and every person walking this earth. But you know, of course, it's a prep is rather it's uh we call it the prep is the medication, but the actual medication is either Discovy or Trivada. Got it. Um, Discovy is the newer formula, which is a super small little blue pill, and it's amazing. Not that but, blue pill. Different blue pill. Right, that one. And it keeps you from getting HIV. And I think, like, we definitely touched on some great topics, of course. And, you know, just like with exploration with sexuality and exploration with, you know, 
your individuality and even with your life. Uh, this will definitely be something valuable to a bunch of people, don't you think? I mean, I hope so. You know, it's not just me uh, blabbing off into the void. <laughs> no, and we like a void. Um, who doesn't like darkness? Well, I do. But uh, no, nah, definitely. I like that, you know, we got to talk about um, a variety of things and stuff and we got to like cover a lot of bases. And uh, I do feel that people will take some nice nuggets from our conversation and everything. And, you know, definitely, like I say, like give us some feedback. Uh, definitely reach out to my Instagram page, which is my personal Instagram page at Kenny Heflin. And of course, the Instagram and Twitter is at Newt Radio 101 forward slash Twitter or Instagram. Same fucking thing. And Robert, did you want to give them your uh, screen grab? Oh, yeah. You can totally find me at uh, Robert.Cocktails on Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. That should be enough. I I, Y'all don't need to see my Facebook. It's just me sharing a bunch of memes anyways. Yes, we'll slide in his DMs. Uh, like I say, get to get a face, match it with the voice. He has a great sounding voice, great face, great personality, and slide in his DMs. Like, send him some nudes or something. I don't know. <laughs> Do you like nudes? I mean, I'm not going to not like nudes. <laughs> well, you like new radio? Oh, definitely. I already did. I thought I did. Perfect. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Uh, no, send him some nudes, girls. Uh, and... I'll obviously tag you and shit uh, with this these episodes, but um, I do warn you, I do have a very uh, nosy following. Oh, good for them. Please ask me questions. When I see the, the analytics and stuff and profile visits, uh, depending on if the, per the people find you attractive or something like that, like they'll, I'll look at it and it'll be like a hundred page visits and stuff. And I'll always ask like whoever I tag, like how many new followers did you get from that? And usually it's like three. Oh, okay. But okay. people just like to look. They're nosy. Good for them. Look. Look at all the things. Yeah, I've... look at Robert. He has. He even has like pictures of him with a with a beard. I have nothing to hide. He doesn't. He's an open book. Uh, same as I. So that's why we're good on this show. Caught new radio. So give us some feedback. Give us some commentary. And uh, definitely tune in for the next few weeks of episodes. Thank you guys.